Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. And we've been kind of working our way through Matthew because that's the the gospel narrative that we focus on in the lectionary year A. And so that's the year we're in. So we've been working our way through. And the last time we were with Matthew was in the parables, the parables of the kingdom to help understand exactly what Jesus was doing and to understand the kingdom in this new lens through the parables. The parables kind of Tease. They re- both reveal and conceal. And we, we have to be honest as we come to the parables, as we come to any passage in the gospel narrative, to consider that our, our particular way of thinking things through may not be the way that God intends for us or God desires for us. Sometimes we get kind of cemented in, in our way of thinking, of how we understand ourselves and our world, of what the goals of this life are, of what the goals of God are. And we can become so sure that we know that we actually miss the invitation into a different way. And so it's hard work, this faith. It's wonderful and life-giving, but growth means change, and change is hard. We resist change. And we're going to meet a group in the scripture today that is resisting this change that Jesus is bringing. Not a change in the religion itself, but the change of the understanding of the Jewish faith, which of course has then been given to us as non-Jewish people, as Gentiles, that we now are part of our Christian tradition. But still, we continue to kind of perpetuate the struggle. We continue to get locked in on the idea of a tradition or something that we've done in the past. And there may have been good reason to do that, to begin that tradition. All traditions were something new at one point. And the reason for them being in place were were clear to the people who put them in place. But sometimes we just get so used to the tradition and we lose sight of what they were all about in the first place to where now suddenly the tradition is our religion rather than the tradition being a way that people of the past were able to better understand and connect with their faith and with God. And so sometimes the tradition is a substitute for the faith itself. And we're always analyzing this as the church. A great Christian thinker, Father Richard Rohr, he quotes in a book that, uh, one of the books that many that I've read of his, he says that, we have lowercase t tradition and uppercase t tradition. So uppercase t tradition is the living faith of the dead. And so people that are long gone practiced their living faith through the traditions of their day. But then lowercase tradition, or what he also calls traditionalism, is when we carry that tradition forward and we expect it to produce 
uh, what he says, the traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Rather than connecting us in this very clear way to God, it actually hinders us because we become, we become so focused on the tradition rather than the reason or intent behind it. And that's what Jesus confronts today in this passage. And the gospel narrative has been constructed in a way not to always just point to, well, hey, guess what? This happened in the story. Uh, it's always with a purpose. And so the story is given to us in chapter 15 of understanding that there's a difference in, in resistance and acceptance of Jesus inviting people to rethink the kingdom, to rethink the point and intent of faith and to understand the desired intent for being a disciple. And so the group that kind of represents the, you know, trying to pursue the dead faith of the living would, would be best categorized by the Pharisees in this, in this passage, uh, the scribes and Pharisees. And then we have the disciples who are understanding this new way that Jesus is bringing forth. Now, this newness comes from a fulfillment of the intent of the old. But along the way, the traditions have kind of become idols, that the traditions are worshiped rather than what the traditions are supposed to help us worship and serve. And so you have the disciples, you have the Pharisees and scribes, they're kind of pitted against each other. And then in the middle are the crowds and the crowds could go either way. They could stick with the tradition, the leaders who are saying you need to follow the tradition, or they could understand a bit about what Jesus is doing and with faith head in that direction and become disciples. And we are maybe somewhere amidst these three groups. Perhaps we really focus and idolize tradition. And anytime anything new comes around, well, we're going to oppose it no matter what. There's also the tradition of change. So some people just want to change everything just for the sake of change as its own tradition. Both kind of reside in this idolization of tradition, of practice, of method. And then we have disciples, those of us who are wanting to follow Jesus, even if it means completely changing the way that we think and understand ourselves. We're comfortable with being led into new ways, taking risks, being in danger. And then there are the crowds where you're not quite sure. It sounds good. You want to hear more, but then it's also asking quite a lot more from you than you were expecting or that you're comfortable giving. And so you're kind of in the middle. And so that's the three groups. And so as we tell this story, think through and, and picture and understand how our author that we call Matthew is presenting this in the passage. And so let us read from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. And it reads, Then Pharisees and legal experts came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why are your disciples breaking the elders' rules handed down to us? They don't ritually purify their hands by washing before they eat. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God by keeping the rules handed down to you? For God said, Honor your father and your mother. And the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, If you tell your father or mother, Everything I'm expected to contribute to you, I'm giving to God as a gift. Then you don't have to honor your father. 
So you do away with God's law for the sake of the rules that have been handed down to you. Hypocrites! Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is empty, since they teach instructions that are human rules. Jesus called the crowd near and said to them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be pulled up. Leave the Pharisees alone. They are blind people who are guides to blind people. But if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter spoke up. Explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, Don't you understand yet? Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, thefts, false testimonies, and insults. These contaminate a person in God's sight. But eating without washing hands doesn't contaminate in God's sight. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So to quickly run through this very strange passage, a lot of these things are kind of foreign to us. Talking about washing hands, we think of hygiene. That's not how they would have understood washing of hands. The whole idea and the faith practice that had come down in the traditions, the human-made rules, that the intent behind them originally was to be holy before God, to do everything you could to remain pure, because if you're pure, then you can approach God. God will hear your prayers. You can rightfully worship. In the same way that we might say, if you're going to go out to eat uh, with somebody very important to you, what you're wearing matters. It reflects how important the person is to you. And so you, you take special care depending on who you're going to be around. If you're just home by yourself, you may not take all the, the measures of doing yourself up and wearing the fancy clothes that you would if you were going to go spend the evening with very important people to you, and maybe even in a nice setting. When we understand that there are certain rituals that we participate in depending on the context. Well, in the context of this faith and this life, these people understood God to be on their land, particularly in Jerusalem. And if you're going to serve God, if you're going to be part of God's people, then you needed to prepare yourself. And so it was, one, a way that you could participate, that you could follow rules and regulations, and then feel like, okay, I'm, I'm really dedicated, I'm showing God my dedication, uh, in a time when you didn't know if God was pleased with you, for God to say, well, do these things and I'll be pleased with you, you could do them and feel a sense of peace. Okay, I have done what God has asked. And then there's the idea of the tradition kind of taking on its own form, where suddenly we use the, the way people do or don't practice their tradition as a way to judge them because we judge each other. And 
here we find that the Pharisees are, are questioning. Now, it could be an honest questioning. They're, they're appalled by the response. So it, it gives us the sense that they weren't coming there knowing they were going to be offended. They came and asked, why, why aren't your disciples washing their hands? This is part of what we do to keep our cleanliness before God. You're a holy person. They're your disciples. This is what we do. They're not understanding why Jesus is not following in the same footsteps that they do, not practicing the same faith, not teaching the disciples to do the basics, so to speak. And so then Jesus kind of flips it around on them, doesn't really address their direct question because he points out that there's an intention and then there's action. And so they're speaking to action and Jesus sees that you're focusing on action, but it's intention that's important. And he breaks down another thing that they do to kind of show and reveal the hypocrisy. And again, they're not trying to be hypocrites. They just think in this particular way and they need freed from this particular way, but they also need to be willing to be freed from this particular way. And so what happened is, is you're supposed to honor your father and mother. And part of the understanding is that you take care of them as they age until they pass away. And then you take care of their body. You take care of, their, of all the things that need to be done. You do that to be a faithful child. Well, there was a rule in the tradition that said if the amount of money you were going to spend on your aging parents to take care of them, if you gave it to the temple instead, then you're released from your obligation to take care of your parents. And so Jesus says, look, you created this tradition that you think makes you holy because it, it, the action looks holy, but the intent is for you to be not obligated to honor your father and your mother. And so you're actually taking your human tradition and you're distorting and twisting and rejecting a God-given tradition. And so now you wanna talk about washing hands while at the same time you're doing this to your parents. And then he turns to the crowds because they've heard this interaction. They know of the calling of the Pharisees and scribes to follow these particular purity traditions. And Jesus says, don't you understand that it's not about the action, it's the intent. What goes in your mouth cannot affect your cleanliness, your purity before God. God is not concerned with what you eat. Now, Jesus isn't doing away with the food laws. They do the food laws to express their care for God in the same way that we wear nice clothes and we shower and do the things we do to express our care for the people that we're gonna go out to eat with. We want to show them that they matter and so we do these things, but it's not these things that ultimately determine our respect for a loved one, is it? I mean, even someone who cannot stand their family can still shower and put on clothes and play the part and show up at dinner and roll their eyes and not say anything. I mean, but they can, they can show up and play the part and be nice and polite enough. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you may have a family tradition, a meal, a reunion, something, and you know that you're going to see someone there that you don't really care for, but you go because you're supposed to go and you're polite and you're nice and you're going to show up and you're going to walk through the motions so that you can't be considered rude, but you know in your heart of hearts your intent is not pure. You do not want to be there. You have no respect for the people that you are going there and simply trying to appease or, or at the very least, not give them something to accuse you of. 
There's a difference. And Jesus is pointing out Pharisees. You're kind of gotten lost. Crowds don't get lost in the same way. What you eat, that is a way for you to express to God, yes, but the what you eat is not ultimately keeping you clean or pure. Rather, what comes out of your mouth is what it is that shows your true cleanliness or purity. God knows the heart. And so we can do these outward expressions to to dive in and, and participate and show out of love and respect to God. But we can also go through the motions with no real intent. And God sees the intent. And so in today's world, the situation we're in today, there's lots happening. Lots happening in our world to do with racism, inclusivity, COVID and wearing masks and, and how we're going about protecting each other. And there's lots of arguing and divisiveness over every bit of this. And some of us are really good at just being polite, being nice, doing what's expected of us. But we know inside we may have some things to say that we know better not to say, right? We may play the part of the good person, the person who's not hateful, not racist, who is not being a little self-centered. We can live it out enough, but then we get home and we complain about it. We have no intention on making any changes in our actual lives for the sake of what's going on around us. And instead, we, we find like-minded people, and we gripe, and we complain, and we blame all the people on the left, or we blame all the people on the right, and our intention is nothing to do with being good citizens. Our intention has nothing to do with being loving, gracious, merciful, peacemakers, pure of heart, humble, addressing injustice. God sees our hearts. Now, if we were all honest and we understand that God sees our hearts, that we all have the capacity to do incredible evil because we're all selfish and self-centered. We're fighting it. We're trying to work through it. We're trying to be healed, or to, another way to say be healed is to be saved from it. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. Jesus heals us through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we then be, or bring to be a part of our hearts and our mind, our soul and our strength. It saves us from ourselves from that part of us that wants to resist, that part of us that wants to just be nice and not really change, that part of us that just wants to look the part but not really invest ourselves into the life of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit comes to help us, to advocate for us to God, to heal us, to fill us with life, to fill us with with the purifying fire that we may be purified and sanctified. But it's ultimately up to us to say yes every single day. When we hear about racism 
around us. And racism, don't think of this individually. I know it's very easy for us with, with this color skin to just think individually. Well, I don't hate and I don't think these things. Racism's much bigger than any one person. Racism's an entire society. And society isn't functioning for the bettering of every single person. And society is not being clear that all lives matter, that white lives matter, that black lives matter, that every life of whatever color, of whatever religion, of whatever po political party, of whatever gender, of age, orientation, if it's not standing for complete justice for truly all, then there's a problem. And we have to think about what we're willing to do to see the problem, to hear the cries of the people that are telling us there's a problem and have been telling us for almost 70 years. And then to start thinking through what our part to play in it will be. Because if we're really trying to be people of Christian intent, of Jesus Christ intent, of holy God intent, then we are about justice, God's justice for all. And we can carry this over into any situation. We can fool ourselves a little bit. We can definitely fool other people, but we cannot fool God. And we come to church not to say how perfect we are. We come to church to remember that God sees our heart. It's not the traditions that we follow that determine our cleanliness. It is our heart that determines our cleanliness. And our heart is revealed in what we say and what we do. God sees our heart. We can only truly say we love God with a pure heart. And that reveals to us our great need for Jesus Christ to give us the spirit, to heal us from our brokenness, from our selfishness, from our racism, from our hatred, from our egocentrism, to heal us from the parts of ourselves that if we don't address, are gonna lead us in the direction of all these things that Jesus says. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, thefts, lies, and insults. If you are capable of any of these things, you are capable of all of these things, which is why we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ to heal us, but it also comes with the hard, bitter acknowledgement that we are not there yet. We are not completely saved yet. Our salvation is working in our lives through the Holy Spirit, but we're not done yet. So what will be your act today? What will be your commitment in your heart today? If you rely on outward actions to change you inwardly, it's not gonna happen. 
We have to submit ourselves in humility and in a great feeling of helplessness to cry out, Abba, God, I need you. And it's in that moment that God meets us through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. Let us cry out today on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of the community of people of color around us, on behalf of those who are at risk from getting COVID and it causing serious and even fatal consequences. Let us consider how we can give our heart more to God this day because God wants nothing more or less than your heart and God will save your heart through the spirit. And when that happens, life and all that life can be follows. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.